I thought you were going to give me a big hug right there, Graham. I was kind of looking forward to that, but well, Merry Christmas. Uh, So nice to be here with everybody. I know that uh, there are some of you here that this is your regular routine. You're here with us all the time, and I love that. Thank you for being here. And some of you are family of, you know, from out of town or locally, and you're you're here, and others of you are just checking us out, and we, we love to have all of you. I also recognize that some of you were like literally physically dragged here. And so uh, I'm going to do my part and, and I'm going to keep this fairly short, okay? So you just sit back and relax and it's, it's going to be good, but I want you to know that, that sincerely uh, this, is, this is a good thing and we are excited to be able to celebrate this time of the year um, with you. And, um, and what I, what, the only thing that I would ask is, you know, wherever you are on the spectrum of checking us out or being a regular, is that you would just kind of pause and that you would suspend maybe previous assumptions or thoughts about what you know of the Christmas story or, or your experiences of Christmas or maybe what, what you have, you know, going on when you get home and the chaos that waits you there or, 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 or whatever it is and you just kind of be still and maybe let God speak to you if he's going to speak to you and that you'd be just open to that. And then perhaps you would see the story of Christmas and the story of this coming Savior in a new light. And maybe you'll even be surprised by something. Uh, one thing that might be a little bit surprising is that this, this story, this Christmas story, didn't actually begin in a manger. It didn't begin in a barn. You see the nativity scenes, you know, in front of churches or different places and, or in front of people's homes and we're accustomed to that, and it's, it's good, it's real, that's part of it, but that's not where it started. This Christmas story has really been building throughout human history, but even the event itself didn't start there in the barn. It started several months earlier. There was this couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth, and they were getting on in years, uh, like, you know, probably 60 to 80, I mean, we're talking, you know, and they had never had kids to this point. So some of you that have gone through infertility, you know the pain of that, you know what that journey is like. Well, that had been their journey up until this point. Decades, years, month after month of praying, God, give us a kid, God, give us a kid. And it was clear by this time that it just didn't look like this was not going to happen. And then an angel shows up out of nowhere to Zechariah and to Elizabeth and says, God has heard your prayers and he's going to give you a kid. And they're like, really? I mean, this body? Like, I'm not even sure I want this anymore at this point. And he goes, no, 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 no. And it's not just going to be any kid. This is going to be a special kid. It's gonna, you're going to name him John, and he's going to become John the Baptist. And he's going to be the one that paves the way for Jesus. God in skin coming down in the form of a baby. And John the Baptist is going to be the one that likes... He's his hype man. He's, he's his trumpet blower. He's, he's the front guy. He's going to say, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, and you get to have that kid. So the Christmas story is good news to people who feel like maybe God's forgotten them, or maybe he hasn't heard their prayer, or maybe they're, the best part of their life is behind them, because that's how Zachariah and Elizabeth felt. And then you have Elizabeth's relative, Mary. Mary and Joseph are kind of on a different side of the spectrum in that they're really young. She's 14, 15 years old. And an angel shows up to her and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. 
And she's probably like, well, yeah, I hope so. One day, that'd be cool. Joseph and I are engaged, so that's kind of hot. He goes, no, 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 no. You're going to have God's baby. You're going to carry Jesus, who's going to be the savior of mankind. Talk about kind of throwing a monkey wrench into your plan. Like they were, they were planning out the wedding. They were thinking about their future. And now it's, you know, a few months in and she's starting to show. And in that culture, it was really, really a negative thing for the family, for the community, if you got pregnant outside of marriage. And so there was stigma attached to it. There was, there was you know, family drama. And really, the family kind of just wrote them off. Didn't really support them, didn't give them resources. I mean, they were, they were kind of on their own. Because what do, you, what do you do? You can't even tell your mom, oh, this is God's baby. Come on, like even your mom is going to have a tough time tracking with you on that. You have the, the, the people in the community are looking at you like, Joseph, um, you got some explaining to do here. And Joseph is like, no, 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 seriously, it's not mine. And then they're like, okay, then it's even worse. You know, this is, this is a big deal. What are, you, what are you guys thinking? No one would believe them. And so the Christmas story is actually good news for people that know what it's like to feel judged, to be misunderstood, to have your life not go quite in the way you planned it to go. And so Mary and Joseph, the story goes that, that they traveled from their town of Nazareth, which was just like this, this off-the-beaten-path town that nobody cared about. It's not even like you see it when you're going to Vegas. It's like, it's like out there, no- nowheresville. And so they're, they're going to Bethlehem because there's this census. And the, the Caesar Augustus from your history books is, is trying to do this census so that he can count everybody who lives in his domain and tax them. Tax, the, you know, tax them like crazy from, from like 70 to 80% taxes. So you're living on the little slice. And so they're traveling for that. They're bummed about it and they're having to go a long way on dirt roads and donkeys and things. And she's like, they're getting to the end, they're just pulling into town, and she's dilated. I mean, this, this baby's coming in quick. And she's giving Joe like the, dude, you better get this figured out now, look, you know? And she's in pain, and they, they, he's knocking on every door. There's no room in the hotels. He tries all his extended family members. There's nothing. No guest rooms, no couches, no anything. Finally, there's somebody that lets them stay in their manger with their animals. So if you can kind of try to get your mind around that scene, it's, it stinks. It smells bad. There's mangy donkeys and sheep and all kinds of stuff that are just hanging out. Mice, flies, sm- smells, noises. And that's where she gives birth to the Son of God. Kind of an unexpected twist if you're looking for the Messiah to come from and, you know, take over the world, and this, this is how he shows up? This is how he arrives? And then, so that's happening, that's going down. Jesus has just been born, and then I want to pick up a couple of verses here from Luke chapter 2. It says in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, you just got to know that shepherding was like the lowest job that you could hold in that culture. No one wanted that job. You didn't aspire to that job. In fact, it was like a teaching moment around the, the dining room table 
for families. Mom will be like, hey, little Johnny, you got, you got a D here. You got to ratchet this thing up. You need at least a C or a B. Otherwise, shepherd, you know, I mean, you're on the track to being a shepherd. And that's not where you want to be. Shepherds are out there with animals because they're hired by someone else who doesn't trust them in their home to be a servant. Okay? I can just trust you with the sheep. Don't let them fall off the cliff. That's your job. That's, that's your deal. Shepherds, a lowly vocation in that culture. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Because all throughout Scripture, anytime an angel shows up, people freak out. You've seen pictures, like cute little things of like the little cherubs, and they're, and they're playing the harp, and they're doing whatever. No, 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 no. Angels are massive, warrior-esque figures that intimidate the stink out of people. And so they show up, and these shepherds that are fairly buff and strong guys are quivering. It's, it's, it's a moment, okay? And then verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now we're going to come back and look at those words, all the people, in a few minutes. But first of all, the good news. I bring you good news. What's this, what's this thing about good news? Next verse. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, where King David was from, a Savior has been born to you. And he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So he says, here's the good news. The good news is that a Savior has been born to you. To you. Now, wherever you are from, whatever you've done, whoever you are, whoever you were born into, whatever kind of culture, he's saying a Savior has been born to you. Maybe you know what it's like to feel like your, your life is going in this direction and, and, and things just don't seem to go right for you or, or you just have this sense inside that something is wrong, something is broken, something is disconnected. Like maybe there's a bigger plan for my life. Maybe there's a God out there, but I just feel like I'm not there. And the angel shows up to these shepherds who are not doing their dream job, they're not living their dream life, and he says, Guys, a Savior has been born to you. Friends, that's what Christmas is about. It's about the simplicity of this message. The Savior's been born to you, and it's good news for all people. Now, why is it then that this, in our culture and in our own lives, that this story gets kind of shrouded by all the other things, the consumerism in our country, the spending, the buying, the lights, the, the Santa, the, all that kind of stuff. There's a reason why we tend to kind of dismiss or just keep at a distance at least this message, this story. And there's a couple of reasons. One is just that maybe you think it's too far-fetched. Like this story, it must be just a made-up story. Like, like it, how could that have really been true? A virgin birth, a, you know, all this... I, I'm, just, I'm just not tracking. If that's you, thank you for being here. That's, that's a big move, just showing up, and I'm glad that you're here. But I think most of us probably fall into a slightly different camp. 
Most of us probably feel like, I, maybe, like, I, I get that, and I, I, I want to believe that that's true and that happened, but how does it relate to me? It's almost the 2014, you know, and I'm trying to live this life here in Orange County. How does it relate to me? And our tendency is to want to just kind of push it off a little bit because, because maybe, you know, it, does it require something of me to admit that I need a Savior? And I think we want to still keep it at arm's length either because of our pride or because of our insecurity. Because of our pride or because of our insecurity. And I, I know some stuff about pride. Uh, so let me tell you uh, the, uh, the pride that I have had to process through. Pride kind of says that maybe, maybe you need Jesus. Like, that's cool. Like, you've gone through some stuff. And, and you, but this Jesus thing is just kind of a crutch. Uh, because you've already obviously messed up your life pretty good, or you grew up that way, or it's, you know, gives you the warm fuzzies and stuff like that. And so, and that's cool if you need Jesus, but I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there. Like I can pull myself up by the bootstraps. I can set goals and I can achieve them. I can make money for myself. I, I'm, I'm doing okay. Friends, this Jesus thing is far more than a crutch. For most of us, it's a last resort. We have tried everything else. There's people in this room who have made millions of dollars and found that it's not enough. There's people in this room that have slept with lots of people and found out that that doesn't satisfy. There are people in this room that have tried every kind of drug and the high just leaves you wanting more and in a worse place. There's people in this room that have tried every experience, that have traveled the world, that have done all kinds of stuff and keep coming back to this place where it's not enough. It doesn't satisfy. I can't fix or save myself, or give myself fulfillment. And this is the only place in this Savior, in this story, where we find it. Our tendency, if, if kind of pride is your thing, is to say, I can be my God. I can be my Savior. I can, I can work this out. I can do this. I'm building my life. I can manage my weaknesses. I can do this. I can be my own little God. Hillary and I, Hillary's my wife, and we have a 10-month-old. And um, two nights a week, Hillary works. She teaches Pilates, and so it's, it's man time. It's me and baby Jack. And uh, sometimes I'm watching some football, maybe play, working on my computer a little bit, but I always have a, at least a peripheral uh, view of baby Jack on the move in, in the front part of our condo. And just in the last couple of weeks, this has happened a, a couple of different times, where Jack is, he, he makes a beeline for open doors. An open door is an open door for baby Jack. He, he sees the door cracked and he thinks, action. And so he just blah, 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 and powers toward the door and he gets it and he gets to the door and he, ah, yes. Ah, it moves still. It's hinged. And he swings this door like this. And then inevitably he reaches for the little metal springy thing. That's my technical term for it. And, and he grabs on to the little metal springy thing on the back that protects the wall, apparently, I guess. And he grabs onto that, and he bends it a little bit, and he plays with it and moves it around. And then, it's only a matter of time, just a few moments, where click, door's closed. Bathroom's pitch black. Just Jack in the bathroom. I know what's going on. I'm well aware of the situation, but I think teaching moment. Like, he's needing to learn, <laughs> he needs to learn what happens when you close yourself in places. So I'm not in a hurry to go open the door. 
Plus, I'm probably stream of conscious. I'm, I'm thinking about something. I'm not, but I know right where he is. And, and so then I, I listen, and I hear this. He's still holding that little spring thing. You know? And then, and then the next one, there's, like, there's a little bit more panic and intensity. It's like, ah. And then we move from the spring to the door. Bah, bah, bah. Still nothing. I'm just like, okay, we're, we're just, you know, let this play out a little bit more. And then there's a little cry. And I start to make myself, I, I start to rise up out of my chair a little bit, put the computer down, and then it gets a little bit louder, a little bit longer. I'm like, okay, Jack, I'm coming, buddy, I'm coming. But you know what happens when I get to the door and try to open it, right? I open it into him and bonk his head. And now he's really crying. And I'm the bad guy somehow in this situation. And so I'm trying to reason with him, but he doesn't understand me. Jack, you got to scoot back, dude. you got to scoot. I'm trying to get in here and help you. Like, like move back. And so I, I try to show him by, like, pushing the door a little bit and, like, scooting his body. But his onesie gets stuck underneath the door, and now he's just, like, stuck clinging to it. So I'm, I'm, he, now he's really crying, and I'm reaching around with my left hand, trying to like move him out of the way, up against the cupboards of the sink, and swing this door around him, and he's freaking out, and he's panicking, and it's dark, and he thinks I hate him, and he doesn't know what's going on in his life, and finally, I just reach down, and I grab him, and I pick him up, and I go, it's okay, buddy, it's okay, I've got you, I've got you. And I wonder if you have a God that's saying, I'm just trying to save you. I'm I'm just trying to help you here. You found your way into the darkness again. You're trapped. If you just let me, I'm here to save you. And then he wants to pick you up and just hold you because that's the kind of God he is. But some of us, in our pride, we think, I got this. I got this. I got this. I know how to maneuver my life, and I can work out this American thing, and I can make things happen, and I can. So we tend to miss or resist this Christmas story, either because of our pride or because of insecurity. Some of us just feel like we don't deserve to be saved. Like, maybe this guy does want to rescue us, but I don't, I don't get that. I don't feel valued. I don't, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have a sense of worth. I just feel so worthless. And so we run around, and we're trying to get our value from all these other things and experiences and, and whatever someone else says about us. And we rush into these different kinds of relationships and opportunities just trying to feel valuable because of our insecurity. You see this in the story. You see it with with Zechariah and Elizabeth, who've been trying their whole life to get pregnant, and they can't, and the whole city just thinks that they have a sin problem because obviously God hasn't blessed them with kids. It must be their fault. You see that insecurity there. You see it in Mary and Joseph, who now, even though God's doing this crazy miracle, everyone judges them. Everyone misunderstands them. They're outsiders, and they have insecurity about it. And then you see it with the shepherds. Imagine a shepherd, the lowliest role in culture, and you're out there just minding your own business with your sheep, and angels show up to you. They could have showed up anywhere. They show up to you. And after you finish, you know, panicking and, like, cleaning yourself up a little bit after this shocking encounter, you realize, wait a minute, the God of the universe baby, the Savior that's been prophesied, 
and they came to us. And then there's this amazing moment, I think, when the angel said, a savior has been born to you, and here's the sign, here's how you'll know, that he's wrapped in cloths, and he's in a manger. Friends, do you realize there is no other place that Jesus could have been born where the shepherds would have been welcomed? If Jesus had been born in a hotel room, they can't get inside. If he'd been born in a palace, not even a chance. If he'd been born in someone's guest room, maybe go clean up, you know, shave a little bit, put some deodorant on, and like tomorrow you can maybe come get a glimpse. But he was born in a manger. And I see the shepherds standing there when they realize this moment and they look at each other and they think, so we can go. So we, we actually, we can actually go see this God. Because he's, he's born into a manger. Like we, 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 can, we can go and visit there, we, we understand that. We have access to that. And then there's this moment where they realize this, this, this savior of the world, this God that puts on skin, this thing that the angels are telling us about, he really did come to all people because he came to us and we can go to him. Friends, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how far away from God you've felt. The message of Christmas is simple. The good news is a Savior has been born to you. Now, you might have, you might have baggage that you've got to let go of, of, of bad church experiences or bad family experiences or bad preacher experience or bad right-wing fundamentalist stuff that you associate with this thing. It's this. A Savior has been born to you. A Savior for all people. And you can have access. No matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, no matter who you are, no matter who you think you aren't, a Savior has been born to you. I want to read you a verse from John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Where is it? that you're rushing into open doors and just finding yourself in darkness? Where is it that God's just trying to say, I came for you. Why are you resisting this? What do you have it kind of made up in your mind that it is? I came for you to restore a relationship with you and me, to make you who you were designed to be from the beginning. Why are you fighting this? I want you to think about that as the band comes and they're going to lead us in another song. And I want to just stop and give you this moment to sit and listen and pray and think. God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would allow us to hear you, to see you in a different way and to respond 
to this good news that maybe, just maybe, you, the Savior of all humanity, came for me. King of heaven, 